Welcome to The Open Word, the online teaching ministry of Pastor David Landry on today's episode. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. over all of his creation. That doesn't mean that everything's going to go smooth and easy in your life, and you, most all of you, can testify of that truth. But when we know that he is our refuge, when we know that he is our strength, when we know that he is our ever-present help in a time of trouble, then, beloved, in the midst of those things, we have the foundation to be able to stand on those promises of God. Life is an interesting thing. We never quite know where ours will go or exactly how it'll turn out. In today's message, however, Pastor David reminds us that no matter what, Jesus is the answer. When we choose to follow Christ and deepen our relationship with God, we always have a foundation on which to build. We can trust His promises of eternal life, our forever adoption as His sons and daughters, and protection from the enemy. Stand strong in these promises, especially in times of trouble. And here's Pastor David in the book of Acts chapter 24 as he continues his message, Ah, but God. What are the odds for Paul right now? 47 to 1. I lived a year and a half in Vegas, okay? So the odds are 47 to 1. Not very good odds that these guys who are set on killing you, but but God, but God. Look what happens here. Now God has 470 trained Roman soldiers protecting Paul. What are the odds now? Drop the zero on both of them, the 470 and the 47. It's 47 to 1. But God is with that 47. Plus they're trained Roman soldiers. God has, man, he's, he's multiplied over what the enemy could do. His work, his plan, his power is so much more than anything the enemy could ever bring up. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. The enemy may come in like a flood, but beloved, the word tells us that the flood will not overwhelm you, that he will be with you through it. You've got these 40 plus raving lunatic assassins but you've got 470 trained Roman soldiers that have been given the command, take this man safely to Caesarea. Okay, the Roman commander, he had actually taken nearly half 
of his forces. Again, the forces there at uh, Antonio Fortress or in Jerusalem would have been around 1,000. We've got 470, about half of those. Now they're leaving at 9 o'clock at night, and they're on this march to go to Caesarea, not quite 100 miles from where Jerusalem is. Look down in verse 25. He actually writes a letter to Felix, the governor. In verse 25, he wrote a letter in the following manner, Claudius Lysias, to the most excellent governor Felix. Greetings. This man was seized by the Jews and was about to, kill, uh, about to be killed by them. But coming with troops, I rescued him, having learned that he was a Roman. And when I wanted to know the reason they accused him, I brought him before their council. I found out that he was accused concerning questions of their law. It had nothing charged against him deserving death or chains. And when it was told me that the Jews lay in wait for the man, I sent him immediately to you and also commanded his accusers to stand or to state before you the charges against him. Farewell. Now you've got to stop again here. You've got to look at the irony. You've got to look at the humor of what's being written here. Here, Claudius Lysias, and again, if you've been with us in this study, you know what happened and why things were going the way they were. He says, the Jews tried to kill him, but I rescued him. Well, actually, there was, there was a Jewish riot that was breaking out right under his nose. He didn't come in really to rescue Paul. He came in to squelch the riot. He says, because I learned that he was a Roman. No, that's not why he initially rescued him. Remember, he didn't learn that he was a Roman citizen until after he had tied Paul to a post, getting ready to beat him with the, the scourge. And then Paul said, no, I am a Roman. But it's Claudius Lysias that's, that's writing the letter. So, uh, you know, he's going to show himself in the best of lights. So verse 31 the soldiers, as they were commanded, took Paul and brought him by night to Antipatris. The next day, they left the horsemen to go on with him and returned to the barracks. Well, Antipatris is about 37 miles from Jerusalem. They marched all night. Remember, they left 9 o'clock at night. They marched all night to get to Antipatris. 37 miles normally uh, in a walk. Normal people walk about 20 miles uh, uh, in, in one day, a normal day's walk. You can get that. These guys did 37. Y'all that were in the military know what it is to be called to a, a forced march. You're, you're double timing. You're going to make that time. And so that's what they've done. They did have some horse soldiers, but the rest of them were foot soldiers. They made it to Antipatrius. Then at that point in time, all the foot soldiers, they left, went back to Jerusalem, Jerusalem to make sure that Jerusalem was covered and protected. And I would imagine that they probably did a forced march double time, making it back to Jerusalem just for the protection of the city there. While Paul continued on to Caesarea with the horsemen, about another 28, 29 miles. Look at verse 33. When they came to Caesarea and had delivered the letter to the governor, they also presented Paul to him. And when the governor had read it, he asked what province he was from. And when he understood that he was from Cilicia, he said, I will hear you when your accusers also have come. And he commanded him to be kept in Herod's praetorium. So now Paul's been traveling under this extremely high security. 
He's now under the care of Antonius Felix. He as a Roman citizen, Antonio Felix, the governor of Judea, and under normal conditions, really Felix was not someone that you could trust even if you were a Roman citizen. You could not trust him on any level. He actually, he didn't work his way up to power. He married into power. We, know, we found out that uh, Felix is married to a woman by the name of Drusilla. She is a Jewess uh, who is the daughter actually of Herod Agrippa I. Uh, she had left her previous husband to become Felix's third wife. Uh, she was also the sister of Herod Agrippa II. The Roman historian uh, Tacitus lets us know that Felix exercised the power of a king in the spirit of a slave. And so in other words, he just did anything and everything that he wanted. Felix was given the nickname, or he was called the Vulgar Ruffian, and he lived up to the name. So you have to wonder, did Paul jump from the frying pan into the fire at this point in time? And under normal circumstances, that might be the point. But God, but God. Once again, we find God's favor here is with Paul. Even though it's surrounded by the power of Rome, Paul wasn't put in the prison. He was actually almost a guest at the Praetorium, the beautiful palace that was built on the Mediterranean Sea there in Caesarea, built by Herod the Great, and now the official headquarters for the governor of Judea, for Felix himself. Let's move into chapter 24, verse 1. In chapter 24, verse 1, we read, Now after five days, Ananias the high priest came down with the elders and a certain orator named Tertullus. These gave evidence to the governor against Paul. And when he was called upon, Tertullus began his accusation saying, now you got to understand this Tertullus guy. He's an orator. He is uh, my pardon for the lawyers that are in the group, but uh, that's also what he was. He was a lawyer. And here he goes. He's standing before Felix. You've got to put yourself in this scene. He's speaking to Felix, the governor of Judea. And he says, Seeing that through you, we enjoy great peace. Oh, and prosperity is being brought to this nation by your foresight. We accept it always and in all places, most noble Felix, with all thankfulness. Can you see the sap just dripping off this guy? He's probably standing there with a hatred for Felix because Felix is the Roman governor. And yet he's pouring out all this goo, okay? Verse 4, nevertheless, not to be tedious to you any further, I beg you to hear by your courtesy a few words from us. For we found this man a plague, a creator of dissension among all Jews throughout the world, and a ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes. He even tried to profane the temple, and we seized him, and we wanted to judge him according to our law. But the commander Lysias came by and with great violence took him out of our hands, commanding his accusers to come to you. And by examining him yourself, you may ascertain all these things of which we accuse him. And the Jews also assented. In other words, all the Jews, they were nodding their heads right with him. 
maintaining that these things were so. Funny how the, the story sounds so different when it comes from different voices, isn't it? Now comes Paul's chance, verse 10. Then Paul, after the governor had nodded to him to speak, answered, Inasmuch as I know that you have been for many years a judge of this nation, I do the more cheerfully answer for myself. What a difference this is. There's no sap in that. And there's no syrup being poured out. Hey, for years you've been a judge. I'm glad to be able to give my case before you. And he goes on, verse 11. Because you may ascertain that it's no more than 12 days since I went up to Jerusalem to worship. And they neither found me in the temple disputing with anyone nor inciting the crowd, either in the synagogues or in the city. Nor can they prove the things of which they now accuse me. But this I confess to you, that according to the way, and the way, that's the, that's the name that they had given the Christians during that time. They were followers of the way. According to the way, which they call a sect, so I worship the God of my fathers, believing all things that are written in the law and in the prophets. I have hope in God, which they themselves also accept that there will be a resurrection of the dead, both of the just and the unjust. This being so, I myself always strive to have a conscience without offense toward God and men. Now, after many years, I came to bring alms and offerings to my nation, in the midst of which some Jews from Asia found me purified in the temple. Paul makes Sure. No, I wasn't breaking temple law. I'd gone through the purification process. And I, they found me purified in the temple, neither with mob nor with tumult. They ought to have been here before you to object if they had anything against me. Or else let those who are here themselves say if they found any wrongdoing in me while I stood before the council. Unless it's for this one statement which I cried out standing among them. Concerning the resurrection of the dead, I am being judged by you this day. And that's it. That's all that Paul stated. Verse 22, when Felix heard these things, Having a more accurate knowledge of the way, he was familiar with the way. He himself, having Jewish background, he himself being there in Judea for a number of years, he had accurate knowledge of the Christians and, again, how they lived. He adjourned the proceedings and said, when Lysias, the commander, comes down, I will make a decision in your case. And so he commanded the centurion to keep Paul, but to let him have liberty and told him not to forbid any of his friends to provide for or visit him. A couple of things I want you to see real quick. He, he tells him as soon as Lysias, Claudius Lysias, the commander there in Jerusalem, as soon as he comes down, uh, I'll make a decision. Now, if you were the apostle Paul, you're thinking, great, man, in just a couple of days. It's less than 100 miles from Jerusalem. As soon as Lysias comes down here, we can get this thing settled. I'm a free man. I can go back to doing what God has called me to do. It's not going to work out that way, Paul. God has another plan. And you see, sometimes even the things that you and I think might be the great plan. How many of you have good plans you want to try and get God in on? Okay. But sometimes our greatest plan, God says, Nah, not quite. I've got another plan, and it's a more complete plan. And that's what we're going to see with Paul. 
The second thing I want you to see here is Paul had absolute freedom and liberty while he was there at the praetorium. Man, the nights watching over the Mediterranean Sea as the sun's setting across the sea. The cool breeze coming off the Mediterranean. Freedom to have uh, any of his friends coming and going at that point in time. He's not in a bad situation. Felix decided he was going to put this continuance on the case. Instead of putting Paul in a prison cell, he gives him that great liberty. But look at this. It's not Lysias that comes down. Verse 24. After some days, when Felix came with his wife Drusilla, who was Jewish, he sent for Paul and heard him, listen to what he says, not his defense of what took place in the temple, not his defense of why the Jews were bringing accusation against him, not his defense about why the Jews wanted to kill him, but listen to what he said. He heard him concerning the faith in Christ. Verse 25, now as he, Paul, reasoned about righteousness and self-control and the judgment to come, Felix was afraid. He is the governor of Judea. And he's hearing the word of God literally preached to him. And his conscience suddenly kicks in. And he's afraid. And he answers and says, go away for now. Go away from now. When I have a convenient time, I'll, I'll, I'll call you for me. I'll call you back. I believe that Felix was under, again, conviction of who he was. He was under conviction because of the power of the word. That he allowed Paul to even be there. One of the things he does bring out here, Luke does in verse 26. Meanwhile, he also hoped that money would be given him by Paul that he might release him. Come on, Paul, come talk to me again. And he waits for him to get, look, let me me just pay you $50, get my get out of jail free card, and I can move on down the, the board here. But that's not what happens. Therefore, he sent for him more often and conversed with him. Paul had this perfect opportunity that God himself had orchestrated to be able to share the hope of the gospel with Felix over and over and over. Not only Felix, but also Drusilla, his wife. Probably not just Felix and Drusilla, but probably others that were there, those that would be around Felix and Drusilla. Then he had the freedom throughout the week to be able to speak to others that were there in the praetorium to be able to share the reality and the truth of his faith. Don't, don't, don't doubt the fact that Paul, probably every chance that he got, he was sharing Jesus with somebody. And God had given him that opportunity right there. You and I might have thought, okay, Felix, just just let this guy go. uh, he's, He's not done anything wrong. Oh, but God. God wanted him to stay there to be a witness to Felix and to all those there in the praetorium. Paul given the great freedom. He was able to converse there for months. Well, actually, it was years. Turns out that he's there for years. Paul had at least two years where he remained there at the praetorium there in Caesarea until a fellow by the name of Portius Festus replaces Felix. Look at verse 27. But after two years, Portius Festus succeeded Felix. And Felix, wanting to do the Jews a favor, left Paul bound. Well, when we see that word bound there and we knowing all that took place, the freedom was still there, 
within the praetorium. He stayed there within the praetorium. We look at this and we wonder, whose who's timing are we really working under here? It's not the Jews' timing because the Jews would have killed Paul long ago. It's not even Felix's uh, timing or, or the Romans. They're really not sure what to do with him. And you know what? It's not even Paul's timing that's going on because I believe that he would have planned another course to be out and about and totally free. Oh, but God. It's God's timing. God was protecting Paul. He was giving him these multiple opportunities to be able to share of the grace and the mercy of God, to be able to share the salvation that is available through faith in Jesus Christ. And how many responded to his teachings and to his sharing during those two years? We have no way of knowing. But one thing I believe that we can be sure of, God was having his way in spite of the Jews, in spite of the Romans, he was working his plans and purposes out. And even, guess what, in spite of Paul, God is working his plans out, even in spite of you and me. Because God is God. And you and I aren't, and aren't we glad for that, amen? amen. But our God is over all of his creation. That doesn't mean that everything's going to go smooth and easy in your life. And you, most all of you, can testify of that truth. But when we know that he is our refuge, when we know that he is our strength, when we know that he is our ever-present help in a time of trouble, then, beloved, in the midst of those things, we have the foundation to be able to stand on those promises of God to be able to stand firm when the enemy comes against us, to not back down when the pressure comes to say, no, you're not worthy, you're not able. We can truly say, I know that I'm not worthy. I know that I am not able, but he is worthy and he is able. Don't let the enemy defeat you in the midst of circumstances that come in life. This life is but a breath, but a vapor. Eternity is forever. And what you and I do and live and trust in and believe in now in this realm sets us up for all of eternity. Is your hope in your abilities or your strength or is it in the ability and the plans and the purposes of God Almighty? Paul had surrendered himself long ago to be an instrument in the hands of Almighty God. And if Paul had surrendered himself to be an instrument in the hands of God, who was Paul to tell the artist what tune to play? Just as we know also the prophet saying that we are clay. And who are we as clay to tell the potter what kind of a pot to make? Do you recognize yourself as an instrument in the hands of the master. Uh, again, if you've come to Christ, you know Christ is your Lord and Savior. You are his instrument to be used by the master. Have you fully surrendered to his plans? Have you fully surrendered to his purpose? Or are you what, that one instrument that's in that orchestra that says, you know what, I'm going to play this instead of what the conductor is drawing. 
His desire is to play his interpretation of his composition through willing instruments. You may think that your instrument's too soiled or too damaged. You may think that you're not able. Ah, but God, but God. Thank you for joining us today on The Open Word. Acts is such an interesting book about the early church and how people engaged with their newfound faith and then spread that good news to their region and the entire world. If you're new to the Bible and are unsure what this newfound faith is, you can learn more about a man named Jesus who came to save you. He came as the Son of God to save you from your sins. These early disciples in the book of Acts were elated to share with everyone what Jesus had done for each of them. They wanted others to know that kind of love, too. If you want to understand this more fully, we'd like you to know that here at The Open Word, we're here for you and we're praying for you. If you have some questions, please give us a call at 520-836-9676. We'd also like to encourage you to find a church and begin attending regularly. If you live in Casa Grande, we'd love for you to come visit us. The Open Word is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Casa Grande, and we meet every Saturday at 6.30 p.m. and Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. You're welcome to join us for a time of worship and Bible study and a time to get to know other believers and find support. Find out more when you call us. Again, that number is 520-836-9676. You can also find out more about The Open Word and listen to additional messages by visiting theopenword.com. That's all for today. Thanks for tuning in to The Open Word. The Open Word.